Hey Canvas Church, hey, I just wanted to let you know I'm doing good now, had a shower, I'm outside, got my cup of coffee, so all's well. Sorry about that earlier, uh, I really am okay. So um, it's great to be with you guys today. In fact, um, I just wanted to mention that last week uh, when we had the chance to go around and deliver Easter baskets, we got to see a few of your faces from afar and um, it was just, it was awesome. And uh, I can't wait until we get to be back together again. Um, I decided, even though Natalie looks way better in this Letterman's jacket than I do now or ever did for that matter, um, that I would wear it because it's mine. And uh, she didn't mention, notice it says uh, Billy B. That's what they called me in high school was Billy B. So there you go. Um, and I look pretty much exactly the same way I did in high school. I, I think you'd have to admit that. Very little change, maybe added just a little bit of weight, but beyond that, I mean, um, pretty much look exactly the same. So no, we, uh, you know, we finished uh, our season of Lent and we are now in the season of Easter. And uh, this morning we are going to begin a new teaching series entitled Faith in Uncertain Times. And throughout this, uh, this series, we're going to explore characters from the Bible who have experienced seasons of fear um, or the, the in-between seasons of life. Last, last Sunday, Natalie spoke about the fact that a lot of times we give emphasis to Good Friday and then, of course, Resurrection Sunday. But we forget that there's a day in between there. There was a Saturday. And a lot of us are living in those Saturday moments, in those in-between places. We kind of all feel that way to some degree right now, going through this whole quarantine period of time. But, you know, Job, Daniel, Abraham, Jochebed, that might not be a character that you're as familiar with, but that's Moses' mother, Paul and the disciples all experienced uh, times of frustration, times of pain, suffering, and, and faced with uncertainty. Difficult questions that were hard to find answers to. And we too are experiencing difficult, fearful times. And it's vital that in the midst of hard circumstances that the church retains its faith in God to carry us through. And so as we, pro as we approach today's text this morning, um, I, I just pray that you are encouraged uh, throughout the series. Um, I'm really excited to bring it to you. But before we jump into that, I just want to mention um, just a, a little side fact. So um, I am a big fan of the mystery genre um, in the way of books, TV, movies. Um, I love mystery. And... Um, it probably began, I was thinking about it, and probably the, the first thing that really hooked me to the mystery genre would have been when I was a little kid watching Scooby-Doo. I loved Scooby-Doo. Um, I still love Scooby-Doo. And, uh, and then a little bit later from there, when I was starting to read books in that, um, I got into this book series called Encyclopedia Brown Boy Detective. I don't know if any of you ever read any Encyclopedia Brown books, but they're awesome. It was like a book series in the 60s. And what I really loved about it was that, uh, so 
in the book, there were several mysteries uh, that you had to solve. And it was kind of interactive because they'd give you clues along the way. And then you would attempt to solve the mystery and then you'd flip to the back of the book and then in the way of like the answers to find out if you were right. And uh, I, I just, I don't know, I always loved interactive books like that, those kind of books or choose your own adventure books and that. So, um, and then later on when I got older and more sophisticated in my reading and that, I fell in love with Sherlock Holmes. I love Sherlock Holmes mysteries and that. In fact, I, um, I've got like a couple of uh, volumes that I brought, you know, I, I dug these out, but this is like the classic illustrated uh, Sherlock Holmes and then the return of Sherlock Holmes and that love, love mysteries. Um, one other side note, if you want a good mystery movie and you already don't know this, if you haven't seen Knives Out, Knives Out is like probably one of the best mystery movies that I've seen in a long, long time. Um, but you know, whether it's a book or a movie or a TV show with any good mystery, um, there's clues along the way. And even when you see the clues, you still have uh, difficulty putting the pieces together. Like um, you never want to be able to figure out the mystery really early on. In fact, the best, um, the, the best mysteries are when you think that you have solved it and then there's a twist at the end that just turns everything upside down. And you never really find out what happens until the end, right? At the end of the book or the end of the movie, that's when it all comes together. And there's like this aha moment where the pieces that you couldn't figure out how they fit together, you're like, oh my gosh, I never saw that. Now my eyes are open and that makes sense. So all throughout the scriptures, God tells us clues about who he is and about his plan for us. And we need to study God's word and we need to look closely at those clues so that we can know more about the mysteries of God and so that we can have those aha moments of revelation. And we're going to talk about a story where um, where there are clues like that um, this morning. And uh, before we do that, let's let's look back on last week. We we looked at the resurrection of Jesus last week from the perspective of John. And after the women witnessed the empty tomb, they ran to the disciples. Peter and John hurried back and they saw for themselves the empty tomb. Then they ran back to tell the other disciples what had happened. And then the word began to spread rapidly. The word on the street was changing constantly. There was all kinds of rumors. There was misinformation. And as a result of that, there was a lot of uncertainty. There was a lot of anxiety and there was a lot of fear, particularly amongst the followers of, of Jesus. Um, it sounds really quite familiar to what we're walking in right now. Things are changing all the time. We're not sure what we should believe. Um, even when something is kind of uh, grounded in fact, even uh, those facts change because we're learning more and more things uh, about this whole coronavirus, um, like minute by minute. So if you have your Bible or a Bible app in front of you, would you flip over to the book of Luke? Luke chapter 24, verse 13 is where we're going to be hanging out this morning um, as we um, continue to talk about the impact of the resurrection. Here's what it says, beginning in verse 13. Now, that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. 
They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and he walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? Well, they stood still, their faces downcast, and one of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened in these days? I mean, let me pause here for a minute. So everybody knew what had transpired in Jerusalem and not just the fact that Jesus, this prophet and this teacher that had, um, that had garnered so much kind of fame and notoriety had been crucified, that he'd been tried and crucified on the cross. But then there was all these other strange things that were surrounding those events, right? There was, an, there was a great earthquake, the sky was darkened, and, um, and the, the, the temple veil was rent in two. All kinds of weird things. And then on top of all that, then three days later, the tomb is empty. And there's all kinds of mix of stories about what happened, that the disciples came and they stole his body and, and nobody really, really knows. So this is the buzz. No, nobody nobody has, has, has gone without hearing this news. It's like if somebody were to walk up to us today and, and say, hey, I've noticed when I went to Walmart, like uh, I had trouble finding toilet paper and ramen and, uh, and I keep hearing all this stuff about COVID or the coronavirus. What's that all about? I mean, nobody's saying that, right? Nobody's saying that anywhere in the world, unless you like fell into a mine and you just crawled out. You've been there for like the last three months. Everyone knows what's going on. But Jesus kind of plays dumb in this. And he, he says in verse 19, what things, he asked. And they're like, um, about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. And they came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them in verse 25, this is Jesus, How foolish are you and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he, he took bread, he gave thanks, he broke it, and he began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and, they, and then he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road when he opened the scriptures to us? They got up and they returned once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. 
Now, some of us during this whole quarantine period have done a lot more walking than what is normal. Um, a lot of you guys have been getting outside and going for walks. Um, I'm thinking you're probably not going for seven mile walks. I mean, if you are, great, more power to you, but that is a long distance, especially to walk. Um, it will probably take most people about two and a half hours to walk seven miles. To put it into perspective, um, if, you're, if you were to walk out the door of Canvas and then walk to our future location, which is beside Aldi, that is roughly three and a half miles. And then if you were to walk a little further on into Bentonville Square, then you would have walked five miles. Go just a little bit further than that and walk to Sam's Club, and that is approximately seven miles. And the reason why I want you to envision this is because I want you to feel that this was a journey that these guys were on, and I want you to feel it in a, in a bodily way. Um, one of the first things to pay attention to in this story is its physicality. Too often times, I think that we, we look at spirituality to be a disembodied endeavor. Like it's, it's spirituality is, is separate from this, this flesh that we walk around in, but we cannot deny the physicality in this story. And of course, people back during this time did a lot more walking but the but the point is is that this is not just a, a journey of of the mind um, but this was an actual physical journey that these guys were on and Christianity is a physical act following Christ is a physical act we we baptize with water we eat bread and wine we we celebrate a resurrected Jesus we we see the face of Jesus in people around us it takes effort it takes time and we live in these mortal bodies, our flesh and blood and bone, we live in these, we walk this journey out. People around us all are, are journeying as well right now. In fact, it's another one of those things that I, I keep coming back to that I find utterly fascinating about um, this whole quarantine period, this, this global pandemic is solidarity. We are all experiencing solidarity together. We are in this thing together. We are all facing challenges that are affecting us on a physical, emotional, and a spiritual level. Now, when I say that, let me be careful to note this, that while we are all journeying together and we're all affected by this, depending upon who you are, where you live, and what resources that you possess, that journey can look very, very different. It just does. And, and the important thing to, to remember in our differences is that there's still commonality. We still have commonality um, and, and yet we need to respect each other's individual journey. Because in a lot of ways, we're all having conversations with Jesus and we don't realize it. We often fail to recognize Jesus when he's around us. But let's go a little bit further in our text this morning. So these, these guys are on a long journey and one that takes some effort and some time. And here they find themselves in a conversation with an unrecognized Christ. Cleopas and his friend, they 
they get into this discussion with Jesus where he takes them back through the scriptures to explain what has transpired, to try to connect the dots together of things that they have either forgotten or they just pieces that they don't see fit together. And they don't get it all at once. Um, they, they, they have sense enough to appreciate the discussion, but they're still seeing it dimly. It's still cloudy to them. It's not clear as to what is happening and who they are walking with. Let me ask you a question. What is cloudy in your life right now? As you have been walking through this period of time, what, um, what is uncertain to you? What is cloudy to you? You know, it's, it's one thing for us to know that we don't know something. Then there's all kinds of stuff that we don't know that we don't know, right? And the call of our Christian life is one of continual learning. To follow Christ is a, a continuation of learning, of deepening our understanding and wisdom. It's a, it's a call of preparation and it's a call of compassion, not just to oneself or for oneself, but for those around us as well. But let's go back a minute to verse 17. Uh, it says, they stood still, their faces downcast. So here we've got these men who they've, they've had their hopes crushed. Their expectations have been blown up. Their, their lives are in danger. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of uncertainty. They're scared. Where do you see yourself? Where do you see yourself in these disciples? How has this experience of isolation maybe shaken your being? I know that when I started this year, I was very intentional about, very intentional about putting to practice um, not, um, not New Year's resolutions. I, I wanted to, to look at things differently than making New Year's resolutions that you do for a little bit and you just kind of willpower that forward and then you fall off. But I wanted to look at doing intentional things, not necessarily big things, but daily intentional uh, things that would help me to grow physically, spiritually, and emotionally. And, uh, and so I started to do that. I started to follow some practices and, and found myself into a routine and a rhythm where, um, where that needle, little by little, kept moving towards more and more health and growth physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And that was going along really, really well for the first two and a half months. And then in the middle of, the, middle of March, the whole thing flipped over, right? And uh, that disruption of that pattern, and we've all been, our lives have all been disrupted, right? In a lot of different ways. And, and I think we've all had to go through a period of time where we have been disappointed and we felt frustration and, um, and then hopefully we've moved from that frustration into acceptance. I know for me, um, one of the things that I really have, have found just in the last couple of weeks as I've been thinking and reflecting on things is that I, I don't think that, you know, when, when we're again going around asking each other, how are we doing? And everybody's saying, well, I'm, I'm fine, I'm fine. I know that, again, we, we believe that we should say that, especially when you 
when you step back and you look at a larger perspective and the fact that there are people who are dying, there are people not just dying of, of COVID, but that people are dying of, of other critical illnesses or from, from natural disasters. There are people that are going through pain and grief and, and, um, and, and the, the, the breakup of relationships and, uh, the loss of jobs. And so if you are, fortunate enough to still have a job and still have your home and your family and all that and to, to live in a place where to shelter in you actually have a place to shelter in and you have food and you have resources you know that you need to be grateful of those things um, but I think that it's still okay for us to admit that we're not okay I in fact I think it's important to do that to to shove those feelings off or to feel guilt over frustration or to feel guilt over being disappointed uh, that the year has not turned out now the way that you thought it would at this point um, is just not being honest before a God that really wants us to be honest with him. He doesn't want us to pretend that we're feeling a certain way that he knows is not real. Um, what he does want us to see, though, is that he is present in the midst of that frustration and in the midst of that disappointment and in the midst of that pain. He wants us to find him in the middle of that. God has not left us. He has promised never to leave us nor forsake us. He wants us to find us in the middle of this. And I think that's what I'm beginning to discover and see for myself is that God is in the middle of this this period of time. And so if I'm disappointed because, um, because I haven't been able to run, um, I've been having some things physically that's, that have been going on where, uh, you know, I was like three weeks away from, uh, doing, uh, the half marathon and they, they had to cancel that along with everything. Right. Uh, and so that was disappointing, but then I haven't been able to get back out and run. I've been having trouble physically. And so that's dropped off. And so I've had to really change and regroup and think of, new ways and new pattern and new rhythm um, to still see growth take place and to still be able to hear and, and see God moving and working in my life, to still spend time in prayer and his word, to spill, still spend time in quiet, to slow down in order to catch up to him. Because slowing down isn't really uh, just been a natural byproduct of this whole thing for people, has it? In fact, a lot of us are busier than we've ever been before um, because we don't have the same types of spaces to be able to work and to, to do things in. Now, why do you suppose that these two men, these two disciples were kept from recognizing Jesus for hours? Do you think that it was with Jesus was just messing with them? Do you think he's kind of playing a hide and seek game with them? I don't really think that's what's going on here. I think that there's clues and the, the clues point to like verse 25. If we look at it, Jesus in verse 25, he, he references them as being foolish and slow to believe the scriptures. So there is a outward inability for them to recognize Jesus. And that outward inability for them to recognize Jesus is actually connected to their inward unbelief of what the scriptures revealed about who he was. So now Jesus fully intends to reveal himself for them to be able to see who he truly is. But notice the priority of Jesus's revelation here. Before he opens their physical eyes, he, 
He desires to open up their heart eyes. Um, he desires that they would be able to see him and that their faith would be opened up, that their heart would be opened up. Why is that? Because what is of utmost importance to him is that we walk by faith and not by sight. He knew the day would be coming very soon where he would ascend to heaven. And then after that, there would be no more eyewitnesses and generation after generation and us included, we would have to see him by, by faith in that. So what does Jesus do here? He speaks directly to their anxiousness and uncertainty with the word of God. It says again, then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted them the things about himself in the scriptures. So Jesus has this moment of frustration where he's thinking, how foolish you guys are. How, how slow of heart you are to believe all that has already been taught to you, all that has been um, all that has been written down and all that has been passed down to you from the prophets. Have you forgotten all those things? And, and that's kind of Jesus banging his head against the wall if there was a wall that was handy. Yet his, his reaction is actually one of compassion. He, he enters into the conversation. He, he understands that even though there's a, some, some frustration and he, and he calls it foolish, he also realizes, okay, all right, I'm going to meet these guys where they are and I'm going to teach them from that place. And so he takes them back through and tries to connect those dots together and bring a revelation of their hearts, you know, from the word of God itself. And uh, so it, it can seem like Jesus is being impatient here, but really he's demonstrating an incredible amount of patience and love uh, to these followers. And, and in fact, uh, he was just going to keep on going. Like once he teaches them and one, and once they, they kind of start to open their hearts, start to open up, he was just going to kind of move on instead of, uh, there being this big reveal moment where then they feel really dumb. He was going to let it go and just keep going. But something begins to click within Cleopas and his buddy. Maybe, it was a genuine sense of hospitality, or maybe it was curiosity and a desire for, for more uh, knowledge. I don't know, maybe, maybe they were starting to catch a glimpse of something that was transcendent. Whatever it was, they interrupt his plans and they, they, they stop him from going and they invite him in. And I want you to hear that. They, they invite Jesus in. So, in the midst of their, their sorrow and their confusion and their uncertainty, they invite Jesus into their home to be present with them. You know, and we, we all have these sorrowful spirits. We have these weary bodies, these foggy minds right now. We all understand to some degree what that feels like. But look what these disciples do here. They get it right. They act um, from a deeper part than, than just these surface emotions. They act from the best part of themselves, from, from the heart of hospitality, from the desire for knowledge, for the, from the openness to the transcendent. And they invite Jesus in. They, they have made this bodily journey. They've walked seven miles from Jerusalem to Emmaus. They've made this now this journey of the mind as they've talked with Jesus and he's taken them through the scriptures They've carried on this great conversation with him. And now they have opened their hearts and they make this invitation to Jesus. And as they're doing this, 
they begin to recognize the miracle that is, is unfolding before them. All at once, they grasp the reality of the resurrected Jesus and not just the reality of, of the resurrected Christ, but the proximity of the resurrected Jesus because he is there right among them. And, you know, that's how they, they recognized him. He, they knew him as, as a healer, a feeder, a teacher, and the speaker of truths. And Jesus, as he breaks bread, as he comes into their home and shares a meal with them, as he breaks bread, he opens their eyes and they see him for the truth of who he truly, who he really is. And uh, I love that Natalie brought back up again um, communion and remembering because there's something so significant about the breaking of bread and, and how when we remember, and not just when we receive communion, whether it be once a week, once a month, or however it is that you receive communion, but, but anytime we gather around the table, anytime that we are fed with, 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 with sustenance in that, and our, and our hunger is satisfied and our thirst is quenched in that, we are to remember that, that Jesus Christ, his body was broken and his blood was shed for us and that, and for the, for the, for the forgiveness of sins and for, for our freedom. And he's offered us bread that will satisfy forever. He's offered us food that, that, that will, will not be uh, wasted and, and, and drink that will never run dry. And so in that, when we remember him, we are awakened again of the truth of who Jesus Christ truly is. It, the mystery, the miracle of the resurrection, and it's absolutely exquisite. And so that's what we have in this moment with these disciples. It's this perfect moment of both their heart eyes being open as well as their physical eyes being open and then seeing Jesus for who he truly is. So Luke gives us that moment in scripture. And as we look to that and apply it to where we are today, it's really up to us now to find those moments in our own daily lives, in our own journeys, because they are there. And the question really is, what about us right now? What about you? Where do you see Jesus in the midst of your fear and your confusion and your uncertainty? Have you experienced any aha moments where your eyes have suddenly been opened to something that you had not seen prior to all of this? Maybe you were too busy or too caught up in things or your priorities were, were misaligned. Have your eyes been open? Have there been any moments along this journey where you know in that moment that God is alive and at work in the world? Summon up for yourself that kind of joy because that joy oftentimes gets covered up and buried in all the bad news and junk of daily life. Every one of us in this world have access to that joy. We have access to his presence, to that mystery and that miracle. If we will just simply open up our hearts and invite him in. Really, his presence is there. It's about bringing our presence into that presence of God. So what happens next in this story? Well, the moment that their physical eyes are opened, Jesus vanishes. 
he has done what he's needed to do. He's made his point. Having, having seen this, now there's no unseeing it, right? So what they do is they respond. They get back out on the road. It's, it's dark and they return to Jerusalem. It's a seven mile journey. We just, we talked about that. So they, they take another two and a half hours and they head back to Jerusalem to tell the disciples what they've seen and what they've heard. It says again in the scripture that they told what had happened on the road and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. So body, mind, and spirit, this, this journey of living, this journey of being a Christian, this life of following and recognizing Christ takes the whole of who we are. It takes everything within us, spirit, mind, and body. And we're given this beautiful, beautiful gift uh, of, uh, and, and of our diverse selves to experience this life, to work for justice, for, for mercy and love, and to savor the promise of each day and the, 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 the gift of the breath that we have been given in our bodies. This journey is, is, cha is challenging. It's, it's joy, it's, it's pain, it's hope, it's incarnation and transcendence. It's a long walk, but praise God, we have been promised that we are not alone in this walk. We are in this together. And not just are, are we in this together, but we travel in this conversation with a resurrected Jesus. So again, my question to you this morning is, where do you see Jesus in the midst of this journey that you're in? In the midst of your uncertainty, of your doubts, of your confusion, of your fear? I, my prayer for you today is that your heart would be opened so that then your eyes can be opened. That you would sense that Jesus, that his presence is with us, that God is speaking and continues to speak. And he wants to be alongside of you in this. And he wants to bring revelation to you in fresh ways, even in the midst of frustration and confusion and disappointment in that. So be honest with God, but be open to him and bring your presence into his presence and then step back and watch the mystery and the miracle unfold as he speaks fresh revelation to your heart. Let's pray this morning. God, thank you so much for this time together in your presence. I thank you that, that God, you, um, you don't play hide and seek with us, but you do want us to, uh, to dig into your word and to look for you, even in moments where our emotions on the surface um, might, might wonder where you are, might question why this has happened or what is going on. We may, be, we may find ourselves in places of frustration and uncertainty. And God, you want us to bring those emotions before you honestly but then to find you in the midst of that. That God, we would have open hearts to, 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 to hear what you're speaking to us. Open our heart eyes so that then God, our physical eyes can be opened and we can see clearly who we are through you. And we can see one another through the lens of what you are doing, God. I pray that you would give fresh revelation to us as we open your word and that God, as we continue to walk this journey together, that God, you would bless each person 
and that you would continue to remind them that you are the source for every need that they have physically, spiritually, and emotionally. God, you are more than enough, and you've promised to never leave us nor forsake us. No matter what circumstances we face in this life, that you, God, are faithful. And we thank you again for the resurrection and the life that we have through your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for our time together this morning, God. Bless each person this, this week as they go into it together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. You guys have a great week.